0: Welcome to Season 2 of Positivity Strategist. This season is called Appreciative, Voice, and Choice, in which we talk about seven literacies for living and leading in this century. I'm Robin Stratton-Burkessel.
1: And I'm Sally Lee. We're co-hosts of Season 2. This season is called Appreciative Voice and Choice, Literacies for Living and Leading in this Century. And for 10 shows, that's what we'll be talking about.
0: Hello, Sally. It's great to be with you again.
1: Hi, Robin. I love that we're doing this.
0: So why don't we just jump right in and introduce the first literacy In today's show, we'll be focusing on the literacy of inviting inquiry and how that raises our appreciative voice.
1: In the last episode, we offered a broad introduction to our season's theme, Appreciative Voice and Choice, Literacies for Living and Leading in this Century. Today, as you mentioned, Robin, we start with the literacy inviting inquiry.
0: As a reminder, a literacy is just not one tool. It's all that adds up to being agile or literate in an area. And in this case, the area is appreciative voice. For example... With various teams that we work with Sally, we both use Google Docs and we've used Google Docs to kind of co-create this this app, there's this show, right? And so we have access to creating and editing documents and over time I've learned so much more about Google Docs. I actually enjoy working in the medium and get done whatever I need to. So you could say that I'm literate. I mean I'm fluent, well almost anyway. <laughs>
1: I know what you mean. A couple of other examples um, come to mind. Speaking Spanish. I lived in Latin America for several years. That was many years ago and became fairly fluent in Spanish. As time goes on, I get more and more literate. Am I bilingual? No. Can I navigate most conversations or situations in Spanish? Yes. I'm literate in Spanish. And, you know, that's the way I feel about the years I've been working with Appreciative Inquiry. It's a path to mastery. And I believe I'm going to be on that path for the rest of my life. Was I literate after the first introductory certification course I took in Appreciative Inquiry? No. Am I literate now after 20 years of practicing Appreciative Inquiry? Mostly. Am I literate in Appreciative Voice on a daily basis? I can't say that I am. This is a new take on the application of appreciative inquiry in my daily life, and I'm learning.
0: So in the case of appreciative voice, we're asking, what does it take to be literate in a way that we can access skills, tools, ideas, and know-how in the moment? In our exploration of appreciative voice, we've discovered seven basic areas of literacy that facilitate our being adept at appreciative voice. It's a path to mastery.
1: In fact, Robin, it may be, I've been thinking about this, that when we develop skill in these literacies of appreciative voice, that they evolve into a kind of superpower or superpowers that make our voice much stronger and more effective in every life situation.
0: Wow, I love that. So let's name these literacies that now give us superpowers. And you will have heard them in our last episode. So the first literacy is inviting inquiry. That's what our focus is today. And that's the inquiring voice.
1: That will be followed by reframing reality, the framing voice.
0: Kindling kindness, the compassionate voice.
1: Welcoming wholeness, the inclusive voice.
0: Connecting the collective, the engaging voice.
1: Powering the positive, the strength-finding
0: voice. Finding the future, the visioning voice. So what is appreciative voice? It's creative and life-giving. It may even be life-saving at times. Given that we have the ability to use our voices in so many ways, appreciative voice may be infinitely creative It serves us to be more conscious of what we're creating with our words, our thoughts, and all the multiple forms of expression.
1: We've come to think that the core of appreciative voice is inquiry. It's the key. When we inquire, we're inviting a dive into a topic and a direction. True inquiry comes from and also stimulates curiosity. Think about what you're curious about. A synonym synonym for curiosity is inquisitiveness, and both terms can be tied up with wonder, that feeling of admiration and amazement where we marvel at the world around us. It's a great place to initiate inquiry. When we're being called upon to lend our voices – we might always ask ourselves what we're more curi- most curious about in that situation. What are we most curious about here? What do we want to know more about? And that will lead us forward. Here's an interesting thought about the importance of curiosity. In his 2017 book, The Curiosity Gene, Alexander Court puts forth the premise that inquisitiveness is responsible not only for human survival, but also for our evolution into the most intelligent creature on the planet. I have to say, Robin, that sometimes I wonder about whether we're the most intelligent. But anyway, Court says that curiosity, our inquisitive nature, is fundamental to our evolution and ultimately holds the key to happiness and personal fulfillment. So, curiosity and inquiry, so important.
0: I came across this quote from Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of seven books. She's probably best known for Eat, Pray, Love, and her most recent book is Big Magic. Now, I heard this quote from Elizabeth when I was listening to one of my favourite podcasts, and that's Krista Tippett's On Being. And here's the quote. I want to live in a society filled with people who are curious and concerned about each other rather than afraid of each other. And she continues, so taking this virtue of investigation, that gentle friend of curiosity, as something that we can live by would be good for us collectively. So circling back to our literacy of inviting inquiry or as Elizabeth Gilbert says, the virtue of investigation, this gentle friend of curiosity is the opportunity to become friends with and cultivate our appreciative voice. Inquiry, this gentle curiosity is perhaps the most potent thought form that we can use to engage with ourselves and one another to bring form and frame to our curiosity about something. And what speaks to me deeply is that from a place of curiosity and inviting inquiry, we can engage in conversations that are developmental and expansive as opposed to destructive, critical, or judging. And that applies to whether we're having a conversation with ourselves about ourselves or with others and about others.
1: Inquiry is such an important and pivotal literacy for life. We remember people who are good at asking questions, don't we? You know, we usually remember them well because they showed interest in us and asked us thought-provoking, story-making questions. They engaged us in conversation that got past the pleasantries. Successful, memorable leaders, when you think about leadership, are almost always very good at asking good questions and involving others in the search for answers and stories and for solutions. They're great at stalking solutions with questions. Robin, you know what I'm talking about. Someone who made a difference in your life, even if you didn't have many or particularly long conversations, was probably somebody who asked you great questions about something that was important to you.
0: Yes, I do. Um, And somehow they ask questions that take us in an interesting or even important direction and guide us into an exploration of what turned out to be the right topic. I had a school teacher like that. She changed the trajectory of my life by asking questions that had me know myself and my talents better. She became my thinking partner and after all these years I expressed silent gratitude to her frequently. She focused me on something rich and interesting and expansive that provided me with insight and directions. Her questions changed my life.
1: Mine too. Uh, I had somebody like that. It was a boss. I was living in Manhattan in New York. uh, This was a good while ago. I had a great job and people told me I was good at it. But I didn't feel like I was really flourishing. And I thought I should be. I got sick a lot. Something just wasn't right. One day over lunch, my boss started asking me what made me happy in an everyday kind of way, that kind of happiness. What were the best kinds of surroundings for me? What an ideal day looked like for me, one that I could happily live day after day? It was pretty intense. In the moment, I didn't come up with great great answers to those questions, but the questions stuck with me. And I began to realize over time that I preferred being in a smaller city than New York and that I was happier where there was less noise and hustle and warmer weather. And that, in fact, I wasn't really cut out long term to adapt to a large corporate setting. Within the next year, I had moved out of New York and begun doing the type of work that eventually led me to appreciative inquiry. My boss did me a huge favor with those questions, and they changed my life for the better. Perhaps our listeners, Robin, can also think of times when they've served that role for others. Perhaps they've asked something that pointed someone in a new direction or helped someone to see a new answer or solution. And they can also think of the times when someone did that for them. You know, basic neuroscience tells us that we need to discover our own insights. We learn better Not when somebody is telling us something, but when the conversation or reflection shows us something so that we see newly and make choices based on our new perceptions. We have an aha moment and our decisions and our learning last longer and it's better if it was our own insight, not somebody just telling us something. And that's what great questions do.
0: Mm, Yeah. So it turns out that perhaps we're better off focusing on becoming literate in posing powerful questions in the moment than in making sure we know the answers or are good speech makers or always clear on our positions and key issues.
1: How true. Um, When we invite inquiry, it enables us to connect to and collect stories, knowledge, information, intelligence, and even goodwill, something never to be underestimated. Inviting inquiry may look like May look different depending on the situation. It may be, you know, that I pose a question, I'm inviting you. Or you pose a question and I respond, so you're inviting me. Or we co create a question or a line of inquiry in order to pursue something of mutual interest and importance. So those are different ways of inviting inquiry. What's important is that we remember that it's always an invitation.
0: Yes, and so the question that keeps coming up for us as we go through this particular episode is how do you invite inquiry? Well as you said Sally it starts with a question and the kind of question and the way you ask it determines what response you get. When we engage in dialogue or have a real conversation we actually become co-creators of what emerges in that conversation or dialogue. Sally, I'm reminded of my TEDx talk where I share my experience of having conversations with cab drivers. So when I get into a cab, I ask drivers, what's the best thing that's happened to you today? And they tell me. And I've heard amazing stories. They delight in telling me what's good about their day and we begin to have a real conversation and we start to connect. Every time I do that, what's being reinforced is that we connect in a heartfelt way. We have those micro moments of connection that Barbara Fredrickson's research teaches us in her book, Love 2.0. She actually postulates that those micro moments of connection are micro moments of love because of the oxytocin hormone they release. And oxytocin is fondly named the great facilitator of life as it precipitates pro-social behaviours and human connection. And in those conversations with strangers, I also experience something else. And it's that powerful quote from Margaret Weekly who says, You don't fear people whose stories you know. That's why I do it. Whenever I invite inquiry and it comes from the heart, we connect. It's heartfelt connection.
1: That question you ask, why is it so powerful and inviting? In unpacking the question of what you ask cab drivers, we're going to be exploring the foundational principles of appreciative inquiry which underlie the literacies of appreciative voice. Some of uh, some of the listeners may not be familiar with the principles of AI, so let's go through them. And that will bring us back around to the literacies and back to today's focus of inviting inquiry.
0: Great idea, yeah. And the names of the principles are somewhat intriguing and we trust that our explanations will make them become more meaningful. So let's start with the principle that says inquiry and change happen at the same time. So they're simultaneous in time. And in my cab story, the very moment I ask that question, it triggers a shift in the cab driver to respond. So my question and the shift in the cab driver happen simultaneously And Sally, you might say simultaneously. We're going to hear that in a minute. (laughs) So when we invite inquiry, we create potential to move people in the direction of our inquiry. And that's why it's called the simultaneity principle. So when I ask what's the best thing that happened to you today, the cab drivers in that moment start to focus their attention to what's the best thing about their day.
1: Simultaneity. I love that one. A second principle that shows up in the cab driver question is the positive principle, because the greater the positive intent in a question, the more likely we are to find the goodness, the vitality, the beauty and love in each other and in the situation. When we tap into positive emotions, we potentially experience deeper connection with others. Coming back to the question that Robin asks about cab drivers, you know, what's the best thing? We open up to what's good about ourselves and others and the situation. It changes our frame.
0: Yeah, that's the positive principle. And that leads us to the poetic principle. What is so beautifully significant about this principle is that each of us has our own unique experience and perspectives on life. As an example, one cab driver tells a story that the best thing for him was saying to his girlfriend that morning over breakfast, you can't have no big screen TV. My curiosity was piqued and when I inquired a little further, he said that he wanted his girlfriend to realise that life ain't all about that material shit. That was his perspective, his truth, and he was sticking to it. Each of us sees and experiences truth in different ways. There are indeed multiple truths. You only have to notice how the mainstream news media presents truth these days. It's so highly subjective.
1: So the poetic principle could be said to be all about interpretation, right? And over time, we can also change our interpretations. I love that. Each of us has our own truth, and that truth can change with time and experience. That's the heart of poetic principle, We can reinterpret at any moment.
0: A fourth principle is about how we live into the images of the future we envision. And this is called the anticipatory principle because we are anticipating something in the future. So if you want no big screen TV and material shit in your life, then what do you want? You start using language and images of what you want your life, your reality to be. Sally, I've had people share with me that after they watch the TED talk, they proactively set positive intentions for the day. So instead of reflecting back and saying at the end of the day, what's the best thing that happened, they ask themselves in advance, how can I make my day a really good day?
1: That's a great daily use, Robin, of the anticipatory principle. We can create what we want for our day, we can anticipate. We can make the future. That leads me to one more principle we can mention today, and we might call it the bedrock of the others. It's called the constructionist principle. What that teaches us is that we construct our worlds through the relationships we have and the words we use. Think about that. We construct meaning together and make sense of each other's worlds and realities in every conversation. The significance of this principle is that as we hold conversations, we're co-creating our shared meaning and new realities and our futures just by what we talk about. The conscious direction of the words in the question, what's the best thing that ha- that's happened, opens up the opportunity for a shared construct of what is good and best about our worlds. Powerful questions are the heavy lifters of conversation, the muscles that lift and carry our connections and therefore our worlds in a particular direction. Here's a beautiful quote from David Cooperrider, the thought leader of appreciative inquiry, and it summarizes what we've been talking about so far. He says, it begins in ordinary circumstances of discovery, conversation, and the deepening relationship, all endowed by the positive question, Inquiry itself creates wonder. When I'm really in the mode of inquiry, appreciable worlds are discovered everywhere. The feeling of wonder is the outcome. Of course, it also cycles back. A good positive question, like Carl Weick's notion of small wins, can change the world.
0: I love that quote, and I love that whole sentiment. You know, the notion and the feeling of wonder and small wins and opening up our appreciative eye that can change the world. So I'm just wondering now if, how often, in fact, do we catch ourselves not posing a powerful question? I know that too many times I find myself wishing I'd stop to ask a better question or even a question at all instead of jumping in with a thought, even if my intention has been to be helpful. So... You know, how often does hindsight kick in?
1: Robin, I could talk all day about the times I've missed the opportunity to engage with and be curious about somebody or to refocus a situation that's maybe headed south. Here's an example. A lot of younger family members were in town last week. And I realized after they left that though I asked them what they were up to and how they were, I missed the chance to ask them what they were excited about, what activities were the most meaningful in their lives right now, what they were hoping for and looking forward to. I also missed the opportunity on the other side to offer support, to ask them what they needed. After being a consultant for so many years, I'm generally pretty good at helping people discover solutions. And yet I just let it all go.
0: Well, I bring that up because I rate very highly on the hindsight scale. I could write the book living with hindsight. And I find myself saying to myself far too often, why didn't I ask a question rather than make those endless suggestions? And it usually happens with those closest to me, my loved ones. My husband, Jürgen, runs his own digital strategy business and we talk about clients and strategy and products, pricing, etc., And when he wants to have a conversation with me about an issue, too often I'll jump in and tell him what I think he should do rather than invite him to share his thinking with me. It happens when I feel rushed and my mind is elsewhere, so I can give you all the reasons and excuses why I do it. But what we're focusing on here and what we're offering are ways to use our appreciative voice in the moment and get good with these literacies. And that's why we're focusing specifically on inviting inquiry today. So with with practice now, I'm catching myself more frequently and before I open my mouth to give a solution, I'll use variations of how, how are you thinking about this right now or what do you already know about what the client wants or what's important for you to talk about at this moment. So the question for us to consider is, how might we keep ourselves more aware of the opportunities to use a question, to invite, to inquire, to listen? What practices might you adopt to help yourself and others?
1: Sometimes, Robin, when a situation, when I'm in a situation that I would describe as being kind of hot um, you know, that where tempers are a little high or there's a, it's stressful or there's a lot of disagreement, I hang back to avoid conflict. So in, in learning about appreciative voice, I've been learning that you might need to do something that could take the temperature down a little as you're posing a question. For example, when I was originally trained in appreciative inquiry and we learned to craft interview questions for groups we were working with, we often opened that protocol with an introduction or a preamble, something that set the stage or context for the conversation. It helped everybody get on the same sp- on the same page, so to speak. And that can be important in the moment, too, in the everyday way. It can be something as simple as, You know, I'm sure we can work this out. Let me ask you something. Or we could say, I'm really interested in how differently we see this situation. Could you tell me about why this matters so much to you and what's most important to pay attention to? Those kinds of questions in the moment with a little introduction can often just make the slight difference, that difference we need in taking the temperature down enough to where we can really listen to one another. It has to be genuine interest, though. Um, sometimes when I say I'm interested in something, it's f- I'm finding out that saying it helps me get truly interested. My a- appreciative voice leads me. Saying the words helps make it so. Do you ever find that?
0: Yeah, and actually, Sally, you just reminded me when you talked about the preamble that we use um, in advance of going to an appreciative inquiry um, interview protocol, you know, for that discovery phase, Um That's actually the anticipatory principle. We're actually setting up the the framework and the mindset for people to get into that conversation. And just as you're saying, that just by naming it, your appreciative voice leads you to then develop and say more about that. So that's really cool. But, hey, I just want to come back to what you were saying about, um, you know, because I strongly identify with hanging back to avoid conflict. And there's something else... For me, that's aligned with that, and that is not wanting to speak up for fear of criticism. I was brought up with my grandmother and parents telling me not to say anything if it wasn't nice. And so that's been my default operating system. Yet in our society today, my sense is that by being silent is not always the most helpful way. Because if we choose to keep silent and not exercise our appreciative voice we're not serving ourselves or others. And therefore, we are minimizing our contribution and how we can actually make any positive difference. In using our appreciative voice and by framing our opinions as inquiry, we open up the space for dialogue and learning and providing the opportunity for more voices to be heard. Cultivating an appreciative voice not only strengthens me and expands my world, it also strengthens others and expands their worlds. So, you know, this makes me think about inviting inquiry with ourselves. Do we inquire into our own states of being? Do we have self-inquiry? And what might we learn about ourselves if we were to do that? How might we find and apply our appreciative voice for ourselves? This is a question that we can all reflect on.
1: Um, That's exactly right, Robin. And um, as anybody who knows me knows, uh, here's an example, I can be very opinionated. (laughs) I read pretty broadly and I like to share what I've discovered. I like to offer opinions and information and then discuss it. So it's a here's what I think approach. And I'm learning as I reflect on uh, appreciative voice and uh, inquire a bit into it that sometimes that's not the best way to go. So it had me thinking, if I were to place myself on the continuum or on a continuum for inviting inquiry, where might I position myself? When it comes to inviting inquiry, how literate am I?
0: Yeah, so think of a line stretching across a piece of paper. In fact, let's put this on the show notes so that people can go there and um, be able to assess their own level of the inviting inquiry literacy. So you might place yourself on the left side of the line close to zero if you feel like these ideas are all new to you and you have to think about them. On the other hand, if you feel I'm a master of powerful generative questions and I'm great at inviting inquiry every day and in the moment, you'll place yourself right over on the right-hand side closer to 10
1: That's great. I love it. It would be fabulous to hear from those of you listening where you might place yourself on the continuum. You can leave your insights on the show notes page and even leave us a voicemail message on SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe is right. You'll see it right there on the page. All you have to do is go to appreciativevoice.com and you'll find this episode on inviting inquiry there with the resources we're sharing.
0: Sally, what about some practices? How might we begin inviting inquiry more fully in the moment? Remember Lindsay Godwin's term, dailyfy? So how might we dailyfy inviting inquiry?
1: If we go back over some of the things we've mentioned
0: um, today,
1: the first would be by being curious, um, by paying attention and listening. By forming powerful questions, the most powerful ones we can find in the moment, to connect, create, and call forth stories. And by generally being open and inviting inquiry within ourselves, taking time out for self-reflection, especially in moments when we're stressed or at odds in a situation. I think that's so important. The moment to take a breath, step back, look again, and think, what can I do here? What question can I ask here? how can i make this valuable for everyone
0: oh yeah such an antidote to rushing in right right <laughs> my favorite thing <laughs> yes. and so um just to be a little bit more specific like in contexts. You know, if we're at work, we could start meetings um, or even, you know, at home with the family around the dinner table, we could start with a generative question, just like the question that um, I ask cab drivers. You could ask people, you know, what's the coolest thing that happened to you today or what was good about your day today? So that's one way by putting people into that more positive frame. Another one could be that when we find that problems are framed in a deficit way, we invite inquiry about how the situation could be flipped or reframed. And that, in fact, is going to be the topic, the literacy we're going to cover in our next episode. And here's another thought I had. Um, Before you answer a question or start giving your opinion about something, we could consider asking a new question to help the questioner think more deeply.
1: That's a great back and forth. So I hope those little tips help you frame and think a little bit more about how you want to go about inviting inquiry. Central to appreciative voice is inviting inquiry. Great outcomes come from powerful questions. Inquiry connects us and teaches us. So what inquiry might we invite?
0: And to find more questions and other tips We invite you now to head over to the show notes page to this episode where you can access more resources, including seeing our beautiful new emerging graphic showing the seven literacies. So please go over to appreciativevoice.com.
1: Next time, we'll focus on the literacy reframing reality, that incredible skill and literacy of consciously shifting our perspective. We'll expand on our assumptions about human capacity and how the literacies for living and leading with appreciative voice and choice demonstrate what humans are truly capable of.
0: And if you're finding value in this show and we're having such excitement in producing and delivering it and creating it, we invite you to head on over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. That will help us be more easily found And then more people will find out about Appreciative Voice and Appreciative Inquiry.
1: Remember, it's your choice to find and express your appreciative voice.